Welcome to draft season. That spin move Rain Johnson did on Icky is still one of the craziest plays I think I've seen during this draft cycle. Number one for me is Garrett Wilson. I think he is the top dog in this wide receiver class. I hope they draft Reese Hall. I think this offense needs him, and I think Zach Wilson needs him in particular. Gardner, from a size perspective, is really an outlier. There are times where he appears to be out of phase, and his lane allows him to get back in phase. Welcome to draft season. After a quite a pretty easy win on Sunday, your crew from draft season is back. A little shorthanded today as my guys Dylan and Joe um, could not make it to the podcast because clearly they have more important things to do than entertain the draft season listeners, but I would never miss the podcast. That's just not who I am. But we do have the world traveler. You missed him last week. He was, came back because he really wanted to get off all his takes about how bad Zach Wilson is and how right he was about him. James Coots, welcome back to the podcast. How's it going, Michael? It's been literally like six months since I've seen you. It has. It has. Yeah, dude. Big day. Super excited to come back and also have so much to talk about on the QB front. I didn't know we had a QB1 who wasn't even drafted by us on our team. But as it turns out, our QB1 is already here, and it's not even Zach Wilson. I mean, I'm just curious. Like, how did the Dallas Cowboys? Cowboys let Mike White get away at this point. Like, imagine <laughs> them without him instead of Dak Prescott. Where would they be now? Your FedEx Air Player of the Week, as voted on by uh, uh, you know these team members of Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's going to be like an E60 done about that. I think. Yeah, I mean, Mike White's first start of every season. He just might be the best quarterback alive. But um, so he's going to got we got some interesting games against Minnesota this week, and then Buffalo in the following. But um, a lot of people have been, you know, not really diving deep into the drafts. Normally, this is prime tankathon season where Jets fans are picking, like, oh, hopefully we'll be here and trying to figure out which players will go in front of their pick and then what to choose from. What the tough part about this draft season is, is probably going to be a lot of players in front of the Jets' first round pick, is they're probably going to be picking around the 20s. And a lot of people have been talking about safeties and linebackers because those are. Probably the two biggest needs on the Jets at the moment. James, is that really where you want to see them go in the first round? Well, I think that's that's definitely the right instinct. I do think those are two of the weaker positions on the team. And it's also really refreshing to not have a major glaring weakness that you need the team to address in the draft, which is such a stark contrast to previous years. That said, I think what's a little bit disappointing is that the safety class and the linebacker class are a little bit underwhelming compared to what we thought going into the season. Um, And so I, right now, would probably prefer the Jets drafting best player available, specifically in the trenches, instead of going linebacker or safety. Um, I just don't think that where we're picking, there are a lot of options that make sense at those two positions, which is unfortunate, but is kind of the reality. I, I tend to agree with you. Um, like I said, these linebackers and safeties are fine. I think you can actually, the good thing about these classes is I think you could maybe find a starter in the second, third round or the fourth round at yeah. those positions to guys who really have the chance for it developing on. But guy who screams, you know, slock first round pick at like a non-premium position, what those are, I just don't really see that in that class. And if you're going to use a first round pick on a safety or, or a linebacker, I think you want to feel a little more certainty that the, this class is lacking. And I think 
I said, you've been preaching best player available, best player available. And now the Jets have the roster where they can actually go best player available. There's not a massive, massive need. I think offensive tackle is a lot of question marks behind because we don't really know what's going on with Becton. Dwayne Brown's like, you know, near the retirement home. Max Mitchell's played a couple good games. And it'd be really nice if you found your starting right tackle in the fourth round who literally got on the field and contributed as a rookie, which is just not something the Jets have done in recent years. And that's something that we've been clamoring for that other organizations seem to do. But I guess I would say is you've been very vocal about defensive tackles in the first round is not really your cup of tea, especially when we were picking higher in the draft. And a lot of Jets Twitter for many years under Mike McCagden resented taking um, defensive tackles so high instead of edge rusher. But now that the Jets have some like nice talented edge rusher, have you softened your stance or when you say trenches, you just mean edge and offensive tackle? Yeah, I think um, I generally mean edge and offensive tackle. That said, I mean, I could see the Jets maybe going for defensive tackle. Um, if you truly were a best player available situation. Um, I think the issue is some of the players who you'd be thinking about where we'd be picking at the back half of this first round, they're not really great scheme fits. You know, like a guy I think about in that range is Siake Ika, who's a nose tackle from Baylor. And I think he's a very good player, but would be maximized in a way different scheme. You know, your traditional two gapping and or gap in the half scheme, which is not really what we do here. Um, and so it's kind of tough. I think the dream scenario for me, to be honest, would be one of Peter Skaronsky, Ola Fashanu, um, or Paris Johnson falling and us being able to get one of those guys who are versatile offensive linemen and really talented. But outside of that, I mean, I think you're just looking at BPA, best player available, or a potential trade down. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we say this every year, like, oh, the Jets should trade down, and this is probably shaping up to be like, oh, that team that trades out of the first round, like, oh, maybe like that should be the Jets. But there's also an aspect of the Jets roster at this point where, like, do they really need, like, another 8-10 person draft class? Like, they kind of showed you that last year when, you know, they had their three first-round picks, then they took Brees, and then they had like that other third rounder with Rucker, and then like, it was like a nice small class, and and they really like didn't make a pick. I think till after like I think Mitchell was like one thirteen or one fifteen. So that's my only thing with a trade down is I'm not a hundred percent sure if the Jets really need to be throwing a bunch of darts at the board because the roster outside of quarterback is really shaping into one of the better rosters in the league. And I think this is what happens when you just pick in the top 10 and when you get multiple first round picks and you start hitting on some guys that that's just inevitable with how the NFL is going. But another question I got for you is how confident are you in the Jets receivers? Like Garrett Wilson's really, really good. Elijah Moore has been an up and down year. We think now with the quarterback change that who he was as a rookie, we hope to see, but like Corey Davis contract, I don't know if he'll be on the team. Braxton Barrios is more of a gadget player. Denzel Mims, I think you'd be lying if you said you had complete faith in him. Is that a position that they could look to upgrade more than people realize? Yeah, no, I think you made a great point, and I was actually going to interject and talk about this, but I think receivers are really interesting positions for this team. At this point, I think most people feel really confident about Garrett Wilson and his trajectory. 
I think Elijah Moore is more of a question mark, but trending upwards in the right direction. Um, Corey Davis is nice, but he's not going to be around forever um, on this team probably. So I think you're looking at potentially adding a receiver in this draft. And so when I look at the receivers in this draft, the one thing that's kind of annoying is that most of them have very similar body types and or skill sets to Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. You know, when you look at a Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith and Jigba or, you know, even a Josh Downs from UNC, all of those guys are more of the smaller build, Z receiver or even slot receiver type. And I think if you're the Jets, um, you have two receivers who are more of that mold right now in Wilson and Moore. And I think more of the Corey Davis mold is kind of what would round out the skill set of the receivers more. Um, and that doesn't really exist outside of Quentin Johnson um, that you could really take in the back half of the first, in my opinion. Um, and so it's a little bit of a weird situation to be in. You know, I think a guy like Rasheed Rice from SMU is more of that build, but not really a consideration in the first. Um, so to include, look, I agree with you. I think receiver is an underrated need where it'd be nice to have an addition there, but I think probably as of right now, it makes most sense for it to be in more of a role player, um, addition as opposed to a first round draft pick. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. I think Quinn Johnson is probably going to be drafted before the Jets even pick. If yeah. I was going to be completely honest, just based off this like the receiving season he's had, I think you're starting to see like as wide receivers got smaller, bigger wide receivers who can still move and they're not, not stiff and you can move them around and are big at the catch point. I think is still something that's still being coveted. I think like if just if he was draft eligible, Marvin Harrison Jr. would be the first receiver taken in this draft. And I don't think anyone would have any issues with it just about how dominant he's been for what he's done at his size. I do want to push back a little bit that Jordan Addison, I think is completely in that same mold, but the guy I'm like interested in, and he's a very going to be a difficult draft evaluation. I think for a bunch of people is Jackson Smith and Jigbo because he's played like 20 snaps this year. And when, as good as he was at Ohio state, he was basically in the slot like 90% of the time. But I'm really curious how he could do in this offense. I know he can play with Garrett Wilson. We saw it. Like, you know, it's nothing wrong with going back to the Ohio State receiver well. But if he's available in that back half of the first round, I really do think about in regards to like just the route running, how smart he is, how smart, how well developed those Ohio State receivers are, and the possibility for inside out versatility that. It's a little like Justin Jefferson was at LSU who played primarily in the slot, but it's not that it's because he couldn't play outside. It's that he had Terrace Marshall and Jamar Chase to play outside, similar to JSN who had Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson to play outside. So I do wonder if there's some untapped ceiling potential with JSN that the Jets could be interested in. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think um, J- I think he's one of those guys who could fall. Um Initially going into the season, people were talking about him as a potential top 10 pick. And I think people, the public opinion of him came down to earth more. Um, I think he's somebody who maybe you could steal him at the top of round two, uh, especially if you were to trade back. And that would be phenomenal value for him. And honestly, I just think this is the time where the Jets finally can afford to be opportunistic in the draft and move around when they see great value. Um 
And so if something's not there in terms of value, there's no need to force it. Um, I would love, I would be more than happy to see the Jets trade back if there wasn't a clear best player available situation. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I definitely think like, you know, you're always trying to find like where the draft class really like drops off. And if you're in that zone, can you move back, you know, like five spots in the first round? And then at the second, at the top of the second, the Jets are going to be in a position where they could probably package their second and third row picks to get up there and to actually make that splash decision, kind of like they did with more on a smaller scale with Brees, is that they saw their guy, they knew they don't need all those day three dart throws anymore. I would like to see them do something similar. Like keep them maintaining being aggressive in that regard. Um, so now I think it's in time we should grade. Think it's time to grade Dane Brugler's mock because it's officially mock draft season for some franchises. Sounds good. Sounds good. Tell me. Okay, so where did okay. Dane go for the Jets? So where? Where the real question is? Where do you think Dane went with the Jets? Ooh, did he go linebacker? He did go linebacker. If he went linebacker, it was one linebacker in particular. Huh. Thinking some combination of either Sewell, Toto, or Simpson. It was Trenton Simpson. Unpucks me. I believe Noah Sewell has actually fallen out of a bunch of mock drafts. I've not seen him in the first round in a bunch of them. So I don't really know. I've to be honest with you, I haven't really been crushing a lot of Oregon defensive tape. Their offense has been much better than their defense this year. But it seems like him and Toa Toa have really started to slip out of first-round consideration. I know Toa Toa's arms are pretty short, and that's not something you really love the linebacker position, especially the NFLs, when you see like guys like Quay Walker get drafted like 20-something overall, and then you see the smaller guys like Chad Muma unfortunately slip. That length really shows up on tape. So what are your thoughts on Trent Simpson as the pick for the Jets? Yeah, so I haven't done a ton of work on him, but I have seen him a decent bit. Um, and what I remember is him being a really good mover and having good natural ability and pass coverage, but nothing that specifically popped about him, to be honest. He seems very athletic, um, which I'm sure is one of the reasons why he's considered so highly. But, you know, I'd almost rather somebody like Toe Toe than somebody like Simpson, just because I think Toe Toe is very pro-ready. The main concerns with him are injury related, not play related. But like I, I mean, he has experience playing in both the Pruitt system and the Saban system, which are both very similar. I think he could come in immediately, and if you need him to play as a starting linebacker on this team where the Jets are trying to compete next year to win the division, he can do that and he can make an impact. Simpson, from what I've seen, I feel less sure about. Kind of wondering, what are your thoughts on that? So Trent Simpson, I think. I don't mean this in like a derogatory like way because like at the end of the day like when you say like it's not calling him soft or anything but to me he's a finesse linebacker like, like he's a really good athlete he can move side to side you're gonna be able you're not gonna feel like you're at a mismatch if you put him out and there's he's got to recover like a receiver or a, or a tight end in the flat and he's up in, in coverage I think he's really good in coverage but as a guy that my biggest takeaway with him is just like when I see him and I want him to like. You know, like cover up one of the cover up, you know, the B gap and nail a guy. Like, I just don't feel like he plays with that same aggression and that same like tackling consistency. And from a first round, first round linebacker, I just see like this archetype in the first round. Like, it's just there's a lot of variance to it. And I'd much rather 
take like the dice roll on a player like this who do want to develop into your coverage linebacker, like the heir to CJ Mosley. I just would not want to use a first round pick on this type of player. I think Simpson's good. He's probably gonna be the best linebacker in the draft. I'd be surprised if he wasn't the first linebacker drafted just based on his athleticism. But there are just certain aspects of his game that I think he, like I said, he's a luxury piece that I don't think the Jets while their roster is getting more talented, that doesn't mean that you have to use premium assets on a player that could help you long-term, but probably is going to give you much in the short term. And I think the Jets really don't need to be taking guys on that developmental curve at the moment. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I looking at this draft, I'd almost rather have like a couple picks on day two as opposed to like, one pick on in the first round, one pick in the second round, one pick in the third round. Because I feel like we're at this point with the team where we have star power on both sides of the ball. Um, and it's just about like role players and impact players who can come in and make an impact. Like I would much rather see us, you know, take a Christopher Smith from Georgia or a Brandon Dorless from Oregon. People who I think can come in and like plug into a role that's useful immediately. Um I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel about, about this year's draft. Yeah, no, I think I feel like there's different ways where, where like, especially when you're not in the top 10 of a draft, I think you do realize that there's only a drop off in most drafts between like 12 and 17 every year. And if, if you're not in those picks that you really feel like there's not a lot separating between like 20 players and you want to see if you can move around the board and get the value of that and like I said, I know like our dreams, like for offensive tackle, are probably where a lot of fans I think will end up wanting just because we have so many questions with Becton. But I don't know if Skaronsky or Paris Johnson. I know the P the Penn State offensive tackle whose name I can't pronounce, who <laughs> Dylan would be chastising me for not being able to if he was on the pod tonight, went back to school. So I don't think they're gonna get that like offensive tackle who can maybe play guard at first or that move around at first and be like that developmental guy. I don't know if that's going to be in that spot, so I could do understand why you want to do that. I guess we should end the pod, you know, with a f- one, one like final thought is I know like Bryce Young, I think the size concerns are what they are. I do think at the end of the day an Alabama quarterback who's put up the play he has that there's going to be one franchise who's just not going to think like we're just going to take Bryce Young. But a guy who has a stigma with him because of where he plays and I do think there's some body language stuff that NFL players are going to uh, NFL teams are going to talk about, but I guess not more so about him, just in general. Do you in any scenario want the jets to use their first round pick, whether it's where it's slotted or trading up a couple spots to get it on a quarterback, or are you just strictly veteran if since, cause of what happened with Zach? So I think this is a contrarian opinion, but I want the jets to, ride it out with Mike White and also take a quarterback. That's my personal ideal scenario because my belief is that there will always be a cap on how good your team is unless you have a dude at quarterback because a system quarterback will only be able to take you so far. And in the really big games, you're going to need like superhuman play at some points in order to pull out key games. So I mean, kind of like what I would love to see personally, which probably won't happen, is run it back with Mike White and also draft Anthony Richardson with no expectation that he plays within the first year or even the first two years. Um, I think Richardson is such a talented player. 
He has all of the traits, very like Trey Lance, Josh Allen-esque with big consistency issues, but so much promise. And I think if you get him in a system with no expectation of anything initially, I think the results long-term could be really promising. And I think he could develop into a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. So that's kind of my dream scenario. I think that's not super likely, to be honest. I think what's more likely is the Jets either you know go the veteran route like a Jimmy G or Derek Carr, um, or they ride it with Mike White and maybe draft a guy in the mid-rounds like a Cam Rising or maybe a Cam Ward or somebody like that. Yeah, I do think that you are right. I think Richardson's the one who intrigues me the most. I just don't think, like, I don't think they're moving heaven and earth for Stroud. I Hope to God they're not moving anything for Levis. <laughs> and then Bryce Young is not going to be like available in that regard. So Richardson's the one who definitely intrigues me the most because he's still so young. I don't think he, he turns 21 till I think next year sometime. And he's just so physically gifted. And you've seen so many quarterbacks in that mold who, as passers, haven't even really figured it out. But just their running ability keeps an offense just so like multiple. And you can see as we develop the quarterback, you look at like what the Eagles are doing with Jalen Hurts. Like, you know, that's a college offense that has so many RPOs and so much reliant on the QB run. And you really see how just dangerous it is. And I think Richardson can act in that way. Yeah. No. And can I just add that? I think one of the revelations of the past couple of years is that if you draft a quarterback who's a good runner, they don't need to be as good of a passer as their peers because the running ability allows you if you're if you know if you're one of those guys like a Hertz, Lamar, Fields, Kyler, like Josh Allen in that type of ability level, you can be like an average to slightly below average passer with that running ability and be a good quarterback who wins your team's games. Like whereas if you just have the throwing ability, you are forced to be far better as a passer immediately to get an equivalent level of production. I think we see that in part of like the Fields-Wilson dichotomy, not to, you know, victory lap it at all right now, just in terms of, you know, the third and one against the Pats. If that's Fields, he runs on third and one. And instead of, you know, with Wilson – you know, he just didn't decide to throw that any of the three people open on the play and then like took a sack or something or threw it out of bounds. So like, you know, I, I just think we're realizing the value of running and how you need to evaluate those players in a far different light just because it means that they can be worse passers. Yeah, no, I think where the Jets really ran into trouble with Zach, like it's not a victory lap in the sense that like Justin Fields and Trey Lance are so much better than Zach Wilson as quarterbacks. And if you had guns in my head, if you asked me, is 2021's quarterback dress basically just a one-quarterback class where the guy went first overall? I would say I think that that's the most likely scenario. But I think Trey Lance and Justin Fields would have been better picks because the Jets took the wrong archetype as well as the wrong quarterback in regards to just about a guy like Zach Wilson who is athletic in his own right, but he's never going to be a guy at his size and let alone speed and athleticism that can take the hits that those guys can take and though it can take what comes with running the ball and that's where the Jets ran into trouble and sometimes you see when quarterbacks or when guys you know whether it's head coaches or whether it's quarterbacks the guy you missed on you see the guy you normally be the next guy is normally the exact opposite which Anthony Richardson 
could be. Yeah, no, I think kind of on that topic, I think there are two things that I learned from the Zach Wilson situation about evaluating quarterbacks in college. The first is I'm going to put more emphasis on how pro-ready their scheme is. And then the second is I'm going to put greater emphasis on quarterbacks who had poor protection in college who are able to operate with poise despite that situation. I think those are two areas where Zach kind of failed. Um, And I think those are two areas where people don't pay a ton of attention to them. Um, It's easy to write off, oh, well, he had good protection. What are you going to do, blame him for having good protection? But no, you you have to evaluate it in the context of non-NFL-like snaps. So like, I think those are two things I'll, I'll take with me going forward. Yeah, I definitely think you kind of have to. I think that's why in the Jets never going to get him, but like that's why Bryce Young intrigues me so much is because yeah. Alabama's offensive line, the two years that he's been there has not been good, and he's not a bigger guy, and he's not even a guy that even runs the ball that much and probably not as, doesn't run as often as he should, but his poise is just jumps off the page every single time you watch him play. And then, yeah, maybe if Zach Wilson – also we have to look into a fact about the COVID years that BYU played nobody. And if they played like their usual Utah and you see them play, they played Bailey. You still look at BYU schedule this year. If they had played a couple of those teams and that press protection was threatened, probably would have made Zach a better quarterback, even if he looked worse on tape, because he would have just actually had real experience dealing with that kind of being under siege that he just hasn't really dealt with until he got to the Jets. And that's really where it seems like, you know, the Jets keep talking about how his mechanics are broken or like he needs to reset everything. Maybe we're not having that conversation if he gets to deal with a little more duress during his cut time in college. Yeah, no. So, Meeks, can I can I ask you a question? Go for it, James. So, so far in the draft, are there any players where you look at them and you say, that is probably going to be one of my guys this year? Ooh. Um, I guess it's like, you know, you just – I think the guy who pops off the page to me and that I've got who I've liked – you know, I would say I was like going through the skill. I was like watching the skill players on both sides of the ball a little more than I like watching the linemen. And I haven't really got dove in deep with a lot of the D line guys yet. But the guy who really pops up the page to me, he's like, he's not going to be a first round receiver. I have no qualms with that. I just think a guy who's going to make big plays at the next level, who could be a guy who could have like t- average 20 yards a catch, is Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma. Oh. I really think he is a guy who can stretch the field. I think for a smaller guy, he's got consistent hands. I think he can fight at the catch point for a guy who's smaller. And then that that's that's a track star. And speed kills, speed always plays in the NFL. And I think you could see Marvin Mims being one of those second, third-round receivers who just pop. And that's definitely going to be one of the guys I'm going to be banging the table for whenever, whenever you know our mock draft season comes. Mm. Dude, that's nice. I love Mims, too. I... I think he's a really, really good player. Um, I personally, I would say my guy is probably Christopher Smith from Georgia, the safety. I just think he's such a good football player. He's kind of what people wanted Jalen Catalan to be, in my opinion. Um, just, man, he he's just so instinctive, such a good tackler, so quick to diagnose. Like, he's a guy where I want on the Jets because I think he comes in immediately and he's – better than Joyner. He takes Joyner's job immediately. Like, I, I think he wears the same number too. Dude, I think this dude's like so pro-ready. Comes in, never going to be an elite safety or something, but 
just one of those players who gives you from the jump incredibly solid play and it's just a you know just so consistent and steady yeah i mean we saw a georgia safety who unfortunately got hurt as a rookie but i mean how much do we like watching lewis seen last year yeah just seeing about how smart a player he was and you look at the guy who's playing next to him you know when they see all the two safety shells georgia plays you need two of those guys like you can't have one idiot back there and being as dominant as that defense was last year. So I think that's a really good call. I know, I know around that program, I think you've seen him be one of the – I know this is one of your calling cards. He's one of the leaders of that defense. You can really tell he's one of the smarter guys on that defense. So him with Keely Ringo has really hold, been holding down that secondary this year. But I think that's a great call. I think that's definitely a guy the Jets should be interested in, one of those archetypes at safety that they should be chasing. But, James – did you, did you get enough takes off for this episode? Do you feel I did, good? I, I know did. it's good to be back. I'm very happy to see you again. We very good? happy to see you too. Good, good. Love to hear it. And guys, make sure you subscribe to the TOJ pod with Will Parkinson. Make sure you're turning into TOJ Live every week with Steven Dance and Steven Russo. Make sure that you are subscribed to Badlands, the best Jets podcast out there. They have a big meetup coming up next month. At uh, actually, actually, it would actually be this month when this podcast comes out because today is the last day of November. Uh, at Willie McBride's for the Jets Jaguars game where we can see Mike White defeat Trevor Lawrence. So make sure you RSVP to that, and we'll see you next week.